Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. Good. <laughs> Have you fastened your seatbelts? <laughs> I've come back hot from an African mission, and uh, it's been wonderful to see how, how God has turned up at that mission and uh, saved people, delivered people, healed people, and hundreds of people have come to Christ through that mission because it's a culmination of a whole year's work that others have been doing as well and of the church in that area. Now, um, I've also got an announcement to make on the notices. Uh, so I, I think I've got this right. Uh, I think uh, Rob will tell me if I've not. A prayer meeting beginning. Yes, I have. I thought so. Okay, so um, I've really felt stirred that uh, we should be meeting for prayer well, we meet for prayer already, but meeting for prayer more. And that there should be more opportunities at different times to meet. So once a, once a month, starting on, April, on February 17th, Saturday, at 8 o'clock in the morning, we're going to start from our house, um, starting at 8. Anybody can come, old or young, or little children as well. Everybody can come. And we're going to walk from there and go and prayer walk to a place, stand in a place and really pray God's intervention over that area. Then we're going to come back to their house and eat a great cooked breakfast and fellowship together. And it will all end by 10. So that will be 8 to 10 on the 17th of, of February. And we just want to see what, what God does. And we're looking, praying that his kingdom will come in this place. Now let's, let's just pray together, shall we? And then, we'll, and then we'll turn to the word of God. Could we stand to pray? Is that all right? Let's stand to pray. If, if we're able to stand, please do. Father God, we're standing in your presence because we need you and we need your voice. We need your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and open our minds. We need your word to guide us. We want to be changed by your word. We long, long to be more like Jesus than we are at this present moment. Minister into our very spirits, we pray. And guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat and turn to Psalm 84. We're going to read that together. I'm going to read, well, it's not my favourite version of the Bible, okay, but for this psalm, it really works. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, the Psalm 84. Okay. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul, my life, my inner self longs for and greatly desires the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house, and the swallow has a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even in your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed and greatly favoured, are those who dwell in your house and your presence. 
They'll be singing your praises all the day long. Blessed and greatly favoured is the man whose strength is in you, whose, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. See our shield, O God, and look at the face of your anointed, the king, as your representative. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather stand as a doorkeeper at the threshold of the house of my God than live at ease in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows grace and favour and honour. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favoured is the man who trusts in you, believing in you, relying on you and committing himself to you with confident hope and expectation. Praise the Lord. There's a simple structure in this psalm. It's given to us by the pauses. There's a destination to embrace. There's a journey to negotiate. And there's values to keep us on that journey. Now, you might wonder, how was this psalm written? Where was it written? What's the context of the psalm? Well, you know, there's three possible contexts. And all are important, so I'm going to give you them. Because they'll help us to understand and absorb the truth of this psalm. The first one, which it isn't, <laughs> but some people refer to it as if it is, but it's not, is the returning exiles from Babylon after the nation has been conquered and they're returning to build the temple. There's too many gaps in the language of the psalm to think that the temple's not already there or the tabernacle's not already there and the presence of God is not already there. There's just too many gaps in the language to make that a possibility. Now, the second one, which is much more interesting, is that it's for pilgrims people who are traveling to one of the great festivals that's going to be held in Jerusalem. Remember, they went in big numbers to this, which I'll explain later. They're on the early part of their journey. They can't see the destination. They're rejoicing about a destination, keeping it alive in their minds and hearts to keep on the journey. It's not like the songs of ascent the Psalms 120 to 134, where for several of them, they've come round the corner and wow, there is Jerusalem glistening in the sunshine. It's not like that. It's obscured. The destiny is obscured. And they're going through a tough valley. They're going through a tough walk to make it till they see it 
come into sight. Um, a great book on that, by the way, which you do really well to read, much better than listening to me, actually, is Pilgrim's Progress from this world, the journey from this world to the next world. I love the Pilgrim's Progress. It's such a great book. I love some of the descriptions of the hazards on the way, like it talks about the slough of despond. Doesn't that grab you? I mean, it just rings with truth, doesn't it? The slough of despond that we get stuck in on this journey, uh, which some of us do get stuck on. It goes with the British mentality. That was written in 1678, and it's the second bestseller only to the Bible. It's a wonderful book. Try and get a copy and read it. Then there's a third option for the context of this psalm, and it's one that I love, but it could just be personal favourite, okay, is the time when David had to leave Jerusalem because his son Absalom had usurped him, had carried the favour of the people and displaced the favour that David had enjoyed and pushed him out. So he and some men had to make their way into the wilderness and hide and be cursed as they went. And while David was there, that longing longing for the courts of the Lord. Even the birds got a place there. I should be there. It's my city. And now my son, the disaster that's ahead of me. The only way to get back is to displace him. And he loved his son. And the agony, because in this psalm, I read agony, don't you? There's the agony longing to be in the presence of God and to be made perfect and be in the presence of a wonderful father. And there's also the agony of pain that the journey entails to make it there. A destiny to embrace. Let's go there first. A destiny to embrace. It's in verses 1 to 4. And let's read that again, shall we? Verses 1 to 4, because it's such a beautiful description. Verse 1 to 4. A destiny to embrace. How lovely are your dwelling places O Lord of hosts, my soul, my life, my inner self longs for and greatly desires the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, blessed and greatly favoured are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. You know, if you turn to Hebrews 11, you get a record of people and their journey. People of faith. And there's a secret in Hebrews 11, verse 13, as to why they made it, what their focus was on, on the journey from this world to the next. It says this, these all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance and they embraced them and confessed they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. And that is what you are. We're foreigners. We don't belong here. We're here for a time. We're going home. And it will come sooner than you think. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have a journey 
to go on. Embrace the destiny. Have you ever been in a meeting? I can think of several. Even this morning was a wonderful sense of the presence of God. But one of those meetings where the presence of God breaks in so absolutely wonderfully that you're gobsmacked. You're sat in the meeting thinking, oh, God is in this place. Have you ever had that experience? I've had that experience. Once it was in utter silence. We were in a meeting. The leader of the meeting couldn't even speak. Nobody could say anything. You could hear people confessing, tears dropping. People were overwhelmed by God in the room. No one wanted to end the meeting. No one knew what to do except be in the presence of God, stunned by God's presence upon us. Multiply it by X, where X is a very large number, and that will be the courts of heaven eternally. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. Are you looking forward to that? (laughs) Where there'll be no sin, no pain, no death, no Satan. (laughs) Wow. Just the holy presence of God. I've asked permission to say this next story from their husband. Uh, Yesterday I asked him if it was possible and he said, oh, please do share this story. I was just about my business at home one day. It was in Grantham. And uh, I knew there was a lady who'd been ill in the church. I'd visited her several times. But I hadn't visited her for a few weeks. And I just felt the Lord put into my mind, you need to visit Mary Holmes now. I thought, wow, but they're not the sort of family that like an intrusion. They do like it to be planned. And they do like a phone call ahead of time. I went. As I knocked on the door, can I come in? David's there at the door, looking totally overwhelmed. Wow, God has sent you. Mary's dying. I went into the bedroom where she was. She'd suffered with cancer for many years. And she was at the very end. She was in pain and agony as she lay there on that bed and this had been a prolonged thing over years the Lord took me immediately to Revelation 21 I read about the new heaven, the the city of God where we're going to celebrate with the Lamb I I just read it through as I read it through it's like a great sigh came up over her a great I can't wait to be there and she went there very same day she went into the presence of God that's where you're going if you love the Lord and it's where I'm going and this psalm is encouraging us to ponder that to help us get through this and help us to make it there's another lady a lady called Frances She was multiply disabled in so many ways. She had to be, at times, attached to her wheelchair because she was so twisted, so reacting, even psychotic sometimes. Lovely, lovely lady, actually. Whenever I preached on heaven, 
She was almost falling out of a wheelchair. <laughs> she was in utter joy. She, she knew about heaven. She was the Lord's. She couldn't wait to get out of that body and get into the presence of God. Look, my friend. Look, my friend. Focus on the destiny as you do this journey. And it will help you. It will help you. There's something to be actually longing for. Because do you know we're all disabled? Something I learned when we had Daniel. We're all disabled. In one way or another. Because we live on a fallen earth. In fallen bodies, fallen minds, fallen hearts. And although the Lord begins that restoration work in us, he will complete it when we meet him. And until then, we have those battles. And we have that disability that every one of us has to fight with until we go to be with the Lord. I've been reading about resilience while I've been away. <laughs> resilience. I've got this lovely definition of resilience. Let me read it to you. Try and uh, you know, keep listening if you can. Resilience is having the strength to fulfill the call God has given us, even when it will be painful and difficult. Resilience is staying fixed on a higher purpose, motivated by love for God, our neighbor, and the world, and supported by friends. Isn't that a lovely definition? Praise the Lord. We've got a calling to do something here in preparation for there. Life is a preparation for an eternity with God. Seven times in Revelation, Jesus says, I will come quickly. And some people, even at the time, by the way, thought, hey, this doesn't feel very quick. <laughs> but it's not just talking about the time scale. It's talking about the manner in which he will come. He'll come in the twinkling of an eye. Like a thief in the night. When you least expect him. The Lord will come. Either to take you from this earth. To be with him for eternity. Or when the whole thing winds up. And we're caught up together in the clouds. He's going to come at just the right time. In a manner which will catch us <laughs> unaware. But let's contemplate heaven. And not be sleeping on the journey. <laughs> we need the highway of heaven to be in our hearts. Number two, a journey to navigate a journey to navigate. Verse 5. Okay. Blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart, listen to that, in whose heart, 
are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping or Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. The author now switches to an actual journey. The place he mentions is an actual valley coming from Philistia, that direction, through to Jerusalem. It's a dry valley. It's a difficult valley. It's a valley where people could be lost. But this psalm says we're going to appear before the Lord when we've made the journey, both individually, one at a time, and as a community, the people of God, from all over the world, not just Hailsham. <laughs> it's a massive throng of people. But amongst that massive throng of people, each one of us will come before the Lord. And we will, the Bible's clear about it, ourselves, one-to-one, -one, meeting with Christ when we enter heaven. It's an actual journey that we're on it says, happy are those, put in another version, whose minds are wholly set on pilgrimage. Praise the Lord. Happy are those whose minds are wholly set on pilgrimage. Some people say, uh, you know, human beings at that church, those people who go to Christ church, I'll say it to you, are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. I don't think that's our problem. We're so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly use. God wants us to be heavenly minded, to have a mindset, a worldview that is governed by eternity. You know, we worry about so many things on the news. So many things on the news grab us and disturb us and we lose sleep and we're fretting and worrying about it. We know the end, guys. We know the end. It's clear in Revelation. We know who wins. And we know this is not our home. It's not that we shouldn't be concerned about things that are happening, but we need to bear in mind our sovereign God is called us on the journey and travels with us. Now, do you know, I'd like to describe an actual journey to give you a bit of an idea of the journey, because this journey is described here. But the journey I want to choose is the journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. You see, at every festival, major festival, Many, many, many people will go on the journey. Well, how many? The journey to Passover, where the governor, the Roman governor of that area, a guy called Cestius, he was wanting to know, you know, how many people do actually go to that destination and go on that journey as he was to rule over that area. So he got a historian to do some research for him. 
they worked out that every Passover, 250,000 lambs were slaughtered. They would estimate 10 people per lamb to celebrate the Passover. Over 2 million people went on those roads to celebrate a festival. Imagine that on foot, making their way. Well, Jericho to Jerusalem, that's not very far. It's only 15 kilometers. That's easy enough, isn't it? 15 kilometers, you could do that in a morning. Well, actually, not when you consider, <laughs> yeah, not when you consider that Jericho is nearly the low, it's not quite, it's nearly the lowest point on the Earth's crust. It's 250 meters below sea level. The Salt Sea is the lowest point. And Jerusalem is 750 meters above sea level. I think that tells you the road's like this. <laughs> it's a steep journey. And on that journey, as Jesus pointed out in the parable of the Good Samaritan, there are robbers at every turn. There's many places where robbers could easily pounce on people who were on the journey. There's many places on that journey where the only way through is one at a time, squeezing between the rocks on the path to get through. People queuing this side, people calling the other side, come on, come on, come on, come on through, because there's other people to follow you yet, you know. And so they're, they're sort of squeezing through, and they travel as a great crowd. And the way they make it, the safety the safety of the journey to Zion was in the crowd. So don't miss out on God's grace to you for the journey, which is the church. Which is the church. Is it okay if I'm absolutely honest with you this morning? Do you mind? Hands up if you really mind. If I'm absolutely honest with you this morning, I'm shocked that a church so vibrant and alive and wonderful as this church can only muster 10% of its members to a prayer meeting. Honestly, I'm, I'm shocked. I led a Baptist church. A third, of the, a third of the congregation would be at the 6 o'clock in the morning prayer meeting. A third of them. I'm absolutely shocked. And I'm, can I carry on being honest? I'm shocked that we miss so many meetings. Every meeting's an opportunity. It's a grace gift. I know we're a grace church. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> you know? I was in a bit more of a legalistic church before. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, this is God's gift to you. Our coming together, our fellowship, our prayer together. It specifically mentions it in this psalm. Seeking God, hear me, O God, coming before God. If we don't pray together and we treat our meetings together as something that's an option depending how the beach is today or depending how the sport is today or depending what's on telly, then I'm sorry, my friends. The problem won't be... Uh, where is God? But where are you? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, to me, for these people to make it on these journeys, they had to do it together. To come before God. 
together. And then there's, then there's the values to guide us. We're on to the last section, the values to guide us on the journey, verses 9 to 12. Let's read that together. See our shield, O God, and look at the face of your anointed, the king as your representative. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather stand as a doorkeeper at the threshold of the house of my God than to live at ease in the tents of wickedness. By the way, that, that phrase, that's why I've wanted to do this version, than to live at ease in the tents of wickedness. It's like um, the, 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 um, the Message Bible translates it, to be on a beach in Greece. <laughs> on a Greek island, that's how it puts it. It's not that sense of going down and gambling and living a riotous life and, 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 and getting drunk. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the fact it's ease, it's pleasure-seeking, which takes us off the road to being what God wants us to be. That's the sense of the verse. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows grace and favour and honour. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk Uprightly, O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favoured is the man who trusts in you, believing in you, relying on you, and committing himself to you with confident hope and expectation. Verse 9, let's read it again. Verse 9 is crucial to the last section. The values that guide us. See our shield, O God. Look at the face of your anointed. At that time, thinking of the king and the shield of the king, which is their protection, and, and the anointing of the king, which is their calling as a nation, that they're, they're going forward. For us, the same word, anointed, is the word Messiah. So for us, we're looking to our Messiah. This is the first value that we have to grasp. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. There's a purpose in everything that happens to us. Because our Messiah is with us on this journey. And throughout the journey, we have to call out Jesus. I'm looking to you. Forgive me. Or oh, Jesus, give me strength. Or oh, Jesus, stand closer to me. I need you so much in this hour. And I need God's people in this hour. It's that sense of looking unto Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Looking at every situation that we challenge as God's opportunity to change us, to be more like Jesus. His anointed one is with us. Praise the Lord. He's with us all the way. And we can keep looking to him and calling upon him and he will help us. If we turn to 1 John chapter 1, this is something that's helped me for many years talking about a value that we hold to. This is a value that I hold to to help me on this journey. 1 John chapter 1. And we'll go to verse... Let's, let's read it from verse um, 5. Now, this is the message we've heard from Jesus and declare to you. God is light. And there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. But if, this is it, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And then chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. It's like this. As we walk in the light, as we set our hearts on pilgrimage, as we set our goal on being with our Lord, as we walk the journey in the light, aiming to be in the light, being like me, maybe not as bad as me, you will all sin on the journey. And so do I. But if we've set our hearts on pilgrimage, we've set our hearts on walking on the light, we're in a continuous shower, being washed by Christ on the whole journey. Wherever we go, we're being washed, 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 washed. That's what it's saying. As we walk in the light, he washes us from all sin so we maintain our righteous walk, not by just who we are, but who he is as he keeps washing us on the journey. Set your heart on pilgrimage. As you set your heart on pilgrimage, on our journey to that glorious presence of God, so God washes us all the way on the journey. Self-focus leads to utter despair. If I thought I was going to make this journey by trusting in Ken Matthews, I'd give up now. Wouldn't you? Yeah, trusting in Ken Matthews. Yeah, you, you ought to. <laughs> but, if I, but if I put my trust in the one who's washing me, the one who's called me, the one who's my king, my Messiah, my anointed one, I can make this journey. I can make this journey when he is the one who's doing that great thing on me. There's two other things that come out, which I'm going to finish with. One is the great commandment. The great commandment as a value. One, the first one was looking to Jesus. The second value, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment is just laced through this psalm from beginning to end, maintaining that first love. And letting that love go from strength to strength. How I praise God for our worship this morning. What worship we enjoy in this church. It's the best, isn't it? It's the best of everybody's. We just love being in that worship, don't we? We get washed in that worship. We feel the presence of God in that worship. And we love God in that worship with all our heart and soul and mind. But there's another great thing besides the great commandment. There's the great commission there's a great commission. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the earth. As we engage in God's mission to bring many others into this throng that is going to be with the Lord, so his presence is upon us. Hallelujah. May God cause us, as a church, to be on the mission of God for people to join us. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been outside a football stadium when the footballers are coming out and you're trying to walk the other way? 
my wife, when she was much younger, rang me from a phone box. She said, can we have a long conversation? I said, why is that? Because I'm in a phone box, and there are football supporters pressing past. I can't get out. <laughs> it's so crowded, and I definitely can't go the way I want to go, because they're all going the other way and singing and chanting, and I'm absolutely stuck. <laughs> Do you know, we're in a crowd not of football supporters, though some people do support the football. Um, we're in a crowd, not of football supporters, of Christ supporters, who are part of the great game. We're walking through life, bringing the kingdom of God everywhere we go. This throng is a throng of millions. We're all going along on this path together and shouting and cheering and picking each other up when we fall, watching ones moving away from the crowd and saying, come on, join the throng, join the throng, walk with us. Seeing people who are lost on the way, seeing people who don't know Christ on the way, seeing people who need healing on the way, seeing people who need help on the way, and saying, come and join us, we can do you good. Come and join us. Woo! We can do you good. That was good, wasn't it? Good way to end the messages. <laughs> and, and that's our task. That's what we're doing. Stand together, please. Let's stand together. In 1952, a lady called Florence Chadwick stepped into the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, a little rocky island off the south of California. It was 29 miles from the mainland. This woman had already swum the English Channel twice, both directions. Not on the same day, but... <laughs> so she was no feeble swimmer. She was in the water, swimming along, pulling herself through the water. She'd got a long distance. She was getting so tired. It got choppy. This is a true story, by the way. The waves got up. And another thing happened. A mist came down. You couldn't see a hand in front of your face. Two members of her family and other people are in a boat alongside to rescue her if needed. And they're saying to her, keep going, keep going, keep going. You can make it. You can make it. We're nearly there. And she said, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. There's no way I can make this. I just got to give up. And they said to her, you can make it. You can make it. Come on, Florence. You're almost there, Florence. Another victory. And she's saying, but I'm so tired. Get me out of this water. Well, they have to obey her in the end. Because she just can't make She stops swimming. She's going to drown. They pick her out. They put her in the boat. And a few minutes later, they hit the beach. The, staff, the press interviewed her. This is what she said. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Let's pray. Where are you on this great journey? that God has called millions, millions to join. How are you doing on this journey? Are you drifting away? Are you getting irritated with the rest of us? <laughs> Very understandable. 
But this is a gift from God to you. He wants us to make the journey together till each of us appears one by one before the Lord. He's calling you today. Get back on the journey. I know you can't see. You're in the fog. And the waves are overwhelming. Get back on the journey. By the strength of heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the victory that our King Jesus has won on the cross. Come back on the journey. You can make it. If necessary, ask Jesus to carry you. If any of this rings in your heart as you're needing prayer today for strength from heaven, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. If any of this rings true for you today, let's be in prayer. Everybody in prayer. If this rings true for you today and you realize, I need a tug from heaven. I need the hand of Jesus. I need to be strengthened on this journey. Just raise your hand right now. No one's going to hurt you. In fact, God's going to do you good. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you made a much more difficult journey than this. You went to the cross. There you won my victory. Fill my life again. Give me courage for the task ahead. Lift me from the slough of despond. And give me the joy of the victory that Jesus made for me. Revive me, restore me, refill me as I follow you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God really bless you as we do this journey together.